This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, annuities can be a valuable tool in your retirement arsenal if you choose wisely and you use them the right way. We're going to talk today about a few things you should know about annuities and how to potentially avoid some expensive mistakes. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I am consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is a fiduciary. He's an investment advisor representative. Silver Leaf Financial is where you find him. And with more than 30 years in the business, he's uh, been around the block a couple times. You've seen some ups and downs. Kevin, how are you? I I have. I'm, I'm doing great, Steve. It's always good to be here. And, uh, no, we've been on this roller coaster a few times. Oh, yeah. Well, this week in the market has been a little crazy. I mean, uh, you know, the first part of the week, it was a big sell-off, right? Oh yeah, it's and and you know what? I don't think anybody should be surprised by it. Um, you know, the the a lot of analysts, a lot of strategists, um, you know, and myself in conversations with a lot of folks, you know, have, have been saying we're we were overdue for a correction. No, we now we never we you know all of us know we never like it. You know, we never like to see it go down, right? Um, but the truth of the matter is, we we need the market to go through these periods uh, of correction and and kind of digest everything a little bit. That's a good way to and, say it. You know, and and uh, and by doing it, we believe it, it. It makes it for a healthier. It makes a healthier market. You don't want something that goes straight up thirty percent. Otherwise, the chances are really good that you're going to have a very nasty downdraft that could be just as big, if not larger. But when we go through like kind of like a stair step motion, you know, we go up a little, back a little, up a little, and backfill, so to speak. Uh, it it builds a better base. We like to call it, and it and we call it a base of support. And, and so when we have days like we had the last few days, what, what generally happens is that anybody that's sitting on something, if anybody's a little bit nervous, if they're thinking about selling, uh, when they see those type, that type of market action, they usually sell. And, and that's what you want. You want them, you want, you know, the, the, some people call them the, the, the weaker shareholders to, to drop it, you know, get, get the stock out of their hands, let it go. And so that we can build a better base and we can grow from there. So, so I think it's, I think it's healthy. Um, I don't know that it's over folks. Uh, you know, it, it may be, but personally, uh, I've actually built up a good amount of cash. And, uh, I, I think that there, we might very, you know, might have a little bit more uh, indigestion, if you will. Okay, fair enough. And uh, this is something, so you talked about annuities. I mean, that can kind of tie into the market as well, but, uh, depending on how you use them, correct? Yes, and that and that's a good point, and Steve. And I do want to talk about annuities, and and I want you know because a lot of it, it's almost become you. Know, I've got to tell people it's like it's not a bad word, you know, because there's just so much press out there that is just slamming annuities, and they and they and they tend to lump them all together as though they're all the same, where they're really very very different from one another. And and you just the best analogy I can use, or at least the the, the one that I like to use, is really about an automobile. You know, if you just have a conversation about a car. Right. There's a lot more to it than than just a car. Right. We, we've you know, some it, there's all sorts of vehicles. You've got sedans, you, you've got SUVs and you've got sports cars. And so it, depending on the purpose, right, depending on the purpose of your automobile, that's going to get you a different 
a different vehicle is going to be your solution, right? If you're using right. it for work or, or whatever you're using it for, it's not going to be the same solution each time. But they've all got a lot of things in common, right? They're all automobiles. They've all got tires and steering wheels, things like that. But there's a lot of differences too, right? Right. And and it's the same thing with annuities. They have common underlying uh, features that are the same from one to another, uh, such as they're all tax deferred, okay? Um, and But there's a lot of differences when you, when you look at them. And, and what I wanted to talk about today, I want to talk about index annuities because these are tied to the stock market indexes. And the reason I bring it up is because of what's happened recently with the indexes, right? We see this big correction we've had, and this is coming off of, of a fantastic run, right? The market is up, I want to say about 40% or so in the last 12 months. Um, bearing in mind, that's when we went down based on, uh, you know, the COVID, uh, the pandemic really taking hold uh, mm -hmm. last spring. And so the market's up pretty, you know, pretty healthily, you know, 40, 42% or something in the last year. So truth be told, if we give up 10%, right? We still we're still got a nice nice gain over the last twelve months, and so you really want to put it in perspective. But the reason I bring this up is because what it reminded me of is what happened in two thousand and what happened in uh, two thousand seven and eight. And so to, to the point I'm getting at, guys, if you're retired or close to retirement, and if you're counting on the money you have in the stock market to generate income for you in retirement, uh, then you want to be very careful. Or if, you're, or if you're concerned about losing any of your capital that you have exposed to the market, you want to be very careful. And what I'm getting at is that we don't know how long corrections last. We don't know if a correction turns into a bear market, right? And, and so for, for uh, illustration, you know, let me remind everybody where the markets were at going back 20 years. All, All right, let's enough. go. You know, so let's talk about the S&P 500 in July of 2000. All right, I think there's some parallels there. You can draw some parallels between the market action in the end of the 90s, all right, which a lot of people call, you know, the big tech boom, you know, when we had we had such like America Online, AOL. Oh, and, gosh, uh, yes. If you remember that one. And uh, Cisco Systems. Uh, oh, yeah. Was another one that did phenomenally well in the 1990s. Um, and but, but what ended up happening, we had this great run in the end of the 90s where the markets were showing fantastic returns, Right. And then we get into the uh, early 2000s. I think NASDAQ peaked in maybe the spring. And I want to say the S&P peaked, I want to say summertime, like July or so. Plus or minus, you know, right around, let's say between June and August to be, to be safe. Okay. But it peaked out on the S&P 500 at roughly 1500. The index was roughly 1500 when it hit the high in the summer of 2000. Okay. And I don't know if you guys have thought about it or if you remember how long it took to get back to that high. So in other words, if you bought... If you put money in the S&P 500 in the summer of 2000, guys, it took you basically seven years, seven years just to get back to break even. So for seven years, you, were, you had a loss in your, on your portfolio. You had a paper loss if you held on to it the whole time, right? And, and so my point is, it can take a long, long time to come back. But, but if history repeats itself, what happened between 07 and 08, we got back up to 1500 on the index roughly. And then in, in end of, 0, I want to say maybe September, October of 07, we started to go back down again. And then it took another five years or so to get back to 1500. Okay. So truth be told, you could have went from 2000 to 2012 and you didn't make a dime if you bought the S&P 500 at, its, you know, at or near its peak. Okay. So my point is it could take a long, long time to get back just to break even. And so if you're going to use that portfolio for income or, or to live off of it in retirement and you don't want to be looking at a, at some, at a situation like that, it might be a good idea to look at 
an annuity or some alternatives that can protect your money while at the same time giving you the potential for market growth. And so one class of annuities, there's different kinds, like a fixed annuity will pay you a set rate. Uh, a variable is the one that typically gets described as the one that has really high fees. And the index annuities are kind of what I call the hybrid or the sweet spot. Because with an index annuity, you're guaranteed that you cannot lose a dime because of the market dropping. All right. So even if the market gets cut in half and you've got an index annuity tied to the S&P 500, you won't lose a penny because of that market drop. All right. And that's the beauty of these products is that you participate in the market growth while it's going higher. But if it goes lower, you don't lose a dime because of that drop. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, these products can can provide very nice returns. In fact, I get I get reports that show me the best returns, uh, you know, the top 10 returns. Um, and for instance, in the last 12 months, the top 10, uh, the number one fixed index annuity returned over 11 percent. Now, obviously, it's not it's not the 30 or 40 percent the market returned because it's, it's physically impossible for anybody to give you all the gains with none of the risk. And so what they do is they limit the amount of gains. It might be half the gains. Uh, but you know what? When you go back in history and you look at it, I can show you a lot of examples. A lot of times when you'd have, you would have been better off if you had your money protected in something like an index annuity versus having it all exposed to the market. So what I like to do is I look, like to look at these um, as, as, as another asset class, and that gives you additional diversification. Um, and it will perform unlike any of your other investments. It won't perform like bonds and it won't perform like stocks. It's kind of in the middle. And if you look at the top 10 contracts for the last 12 months, your average returns were in the 7 to 8% range. And I'm here to say that for a guaranteed product where you can't lose money based on the markets going down, I'm going to say a 7 or 8% return is pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Yes, exactly. And, you know, but but don't don't get me wrong. Um, there, you know, there 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 are some there are some limitations. Okay, there are limitations. You know, uh, in in exchange for for not having the risk of a loss, you generally have to sign a longer term contract. A lot of annuities have terms of anywhere from seven years to fourteen years. Very common is a ten year term, and typically you can take out ten percent per year. So if a, if you was if you as an individual investor want to take out more than 10% of that money you put into into the contract each year. If you want more than that, you probably don't want to do this, okay? Because one of the biggest drawbacks is limited liquidity. And I'm here to tell you, though, if this is money for your retirement, do you really want to be spending down more than 10% a year out of your retirement account? I, I, I think the answer is generally no. Generally speaking, no, of course. <laughs> okay, generally speaking, right? Yeah. So, so I actually kind of like it. It's I kind of think of it like a governor, if they still call them that, a governor on an engine. On you know, an limits engine, how fast, yeah, right. Right, L limits how fast it can go to, to to try to keep you safe is how I'm going to say it. Sure. And I'm, and I'm going to say the limitations on liquidity for an annuity are there to also help you not spend your money down too fast, not spend it down too quickly. And pretty much nobody in the retirement planning business is going to say you should spend down your assets at a rate of 10% or more per year. Nobody. And, and in fact, most people are more in the 3% range than the 10% range. So, but it is important to realize because if you want to take more than that, you'll get hit with charges. And I don't want anybody to get hit with any, any of those charges. Um, there are a lot of terms, you know, that, pe that, that affect annuities. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, some people are reluctant to look at them because they can be very confusing. Okay. And they, they are complicated, complex products. All right. And so before you enter into one, you really want to have a few conversations with some folks that know what they're doing, 
that have uh, access to many different companies' products, not just one company product. Um, and that, and I would say that with virtually anything, anything I'm looking to buy. If I go shopping, I want to know the person that I'm talking to can can recommend several different you know families of products. Whether I'm buying a lawnmower or investing in an annuity. Sure. I want to, I want to look at the whole universe of products and then I want to make the best decision based on what's available to me. Not, you know, I don't want to make a decision based on this guy can only sell two different things. Right. Well, I mean, that's why you're an independent, you're a fiduciary and you've got some experience behind you as well. So, I mean, I think those three things combined, you know, yeah, you can help us make the right decision when it comes to an annuity. That, and, and that's and that's exactly what I'm here for. And and you know what? I, I do a lot of business with annuities. I, I work with dozens and dozens of different carriers because I'm always trying to find the best company based on what somebody's trying to do. And no company always has the best product. They it just doesn't exist. And 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 that's whether it's a fixed rate or whether it's an index. Because one of the things with these products is that they change the terms. All right. They change them on a regular basis. It can be monthly or I get updates every week. And and some and I'm seeing a lot of changes now, by the way, for the record, um, where they're lowering their caps and they do that when when interest rates get volatile or when interest rates drop. And so you want to have somebody that stays on top of these and, and, and looks at different companies with different products. Otherwise, you could wind up with something that's safe, but you might not make any money with it either. And, and we don't want that either. Right. No. So it's important not only to just uh, you know talk to somebody that's independent and has experience, but also that you know can offer many, many different products and different companies. So you know they're looking at the whole landscape for you to make sure that it's the best fit for you. Um, you know, one other thing I, I, I want to mention with these, a lot of times, guys, you know, people, the agent will sell a bonus. You know, like, hey, it's going to pay you a 10% bonus. Um, what they leave out is that you might not see very much growth from the contract after that. Because usually what happens when the company gives you a big bonus, they're probably going to lower the terms in terms of your potential growth. Because they, it, it, that's just how it works. If they, if you compare side by side, which is what I'd suggest you do, if you really want to get into the weeds and, and, and you're somebody that really likes to look at details, then if you compare them side by side, you'll see that your growth potential is generally quite a bit lower when you get a big bonus versus if you don't. And in a lot of cases, I can show you where you're actually better off not taking the bonus. So it's just something, it's kind of, it's kind of like frosting on a cake. You know, you don't want to get, don't, don't get dazzled by the frosting on the cake, Right. You know, it's a great way to look at it, you know, and tasty too. It can be, it can be very, it can be very tasty, but, but you want the whole cake to be good, right? Yes, of course. Yes. So, so you want to be, beware of those bonuses and uh, you you know, and you want to know that the person you're working with is fully licensed and, and how they're paid, you know, annuities typically pay a commission. Um, The longer the contract, generally the higher commission. Um, You know, one issue that I do have as, as a fee-based advisor, I, I, uh, for securities business, I, I work. I, I uh, clients pay based on the assets in their account, so I don't charge commissions for a trade. Uh, they're, they're charged based on the assets in the account, and the idea is that uh, we all want your account value to go higher. So if your account value goes lower, I get paid less, right? The fee is less, and I get paid less, and you lose money. If, on the other hand, the client does well, then the advisor makes more money, the client makes more money. And that's, that's how we say we're on the same side of the table as you. Uh, but when you're comparing the length, the term of a product, and you're comparing the commission on it, you should compare the equal length of a fee that you're paying for advisory business of your securities. Okay? Mm-hmm. So typical fee is 1, 1% a year. So over 10 years, you're going to pay over 
Okay. Okay. And so I think when you look at it, because what happens is the securities guy is going to say, oh, I charge 1%. You're paying, you're, this guy's making 6% commission on that annuity. And I said, well, you know what? That's over 10 years, right? So over 10 years, you're going to pay a lot more for securities than you would for, for the annuity commission. So anyway, it's just food for thought. I want to put it out there. It's really to each his own. The fact of the matter is none of us can afford to work for free. And so the compensation, uh, we all have to get compensated in one way or another. Uh, I think annuities can be a very good solution. Uh, I like to mix them. I like to, you know, most of my clients have both index annuities and uh, investments in stocks and bonds. And I, I think it's a good mix to keep some of the money safe that you know you can't lose it if the market tanks. Um, and also to give you growth potential if you're comfortable with the risk of the market, um, you know, cause we never know when we're going to have days like we did the last couple of days. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so you want to, uh, I think it's a good strategy to be, to be invested in both and, and, and talking about investing strategy, I've talked over, uh, over the last several shows, uh, I manage money for clients, uh, individually and separate accounts. They're all customized accounts. And one, one account that I started, uh, not quite a year ago, uh, I'm calling it the pure growth fund. And this okay. is a stock fund. This is a stock portfolio that I manage. Um, there's no leverage. There's no borrowing on margin. There's no derivatives contracts or anything like that. Uh, it's simply buying stocks. And, and what I do is uh, I, I buy, it could be eight or 10 different stocks. It's a, it's a concentrated portfolio. And it's not for the faint of heart because we are going for pure growth. High growth is what, what our goal is. And we, I'm doing this based on models that I've found and I've researched from some of the best investors of all time, like Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch, things like that. And I'm simply using their strata, their rules, if you will, to screen how to, how to find a good stock, you know, and it could be based on any number of factors that they've chosen are successful. But what I did is I decided to take it live because when you, when you backtest their strategies, uh, they're showing like 20% returns going back 40 years. And so I said, well, that's a fantastic return, right? Yes, it is. And so I decided to take it live. I took it live July 14th of last year. And um, this week we did give up about 4%, maybe 5% that we, that we you know, gave back with everybody else. Uh, but I will say after today's close, we're up 68%. Oh, goodness since, gracious. Since July wow. 14th. So um, we're still doing quite well, I would like to, I, I like to thank. Um, you know, but but we're 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 not uh, immune to the downturns like anybody else. But what I did do, um, I went to a lot of cash the other day. I I'm more than half cash in that portfolio now, and uh, in fact, I'm about sixty percent cash. So um, this 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 sell off got me a little concerned the other day. I'm not convinced it's over with. It might be. It you know I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm holding on to a good amount of cash personally, and I'll and I'll be putting it back to work over the next few weeks. Um, but I'm not rushing back in. I know some people on, you know, some of the commentators on TV are saying, oh, it's over with, it's done. I, I, I don't know. It feels, it feels to me like we might have another test lower is my view. And should we see that like in the next week or 10 days, that's probably when I'd put money in. If we have another, you know, another swoosh down uh, <laughs> yeah. that goes back and retest the lows we saw yesterday. Anybody guys, if you're a short-term trader, if you're interested, that's one of the ways, one of the ways we gauge the market is the, Look at the low that the market hit yesterday and on the next sell-off, see if we're able to hold that low. If we're able to hold it, in other words, don't go below it by maybe, you know, it could be a hair below it. It's not exact, um, but you don't want to blast through it. If we go down below that low by more than a percent and it's on heavy volume, then chances are we're going lower. All right. So, so that's one of the, one of the indicators we watch for. 
Sure. Well, and again, that's, I mean, that's a pretty interesting uh, process. And you've got some clients that are on that, that are using the pure growth as well, aren't you? Or don't you? Oh, I do. I've got, it's just a, it's just a handful of clients. I wanted to keep it very small, sure. but I do. These are, these are clients portfolios that I'm, that I'm referring to that I'm wow. managing. So folks, if you want to get involved, 800-975-6717. That's the number you can call 800-975-6717. Pure growth. I mean, that I, I will be curious to see how this story continues to unfold. And after this week with the downturn in the market and you're still up 68%, I mean, that is amazing. Oh, you, you know what? I'm I'm real happy with it. No, no, no question, no question about it. And yeah, uh, you know, it has been a great year for the market. Um, but but as I mentioned earlier, the markets I want to say are up 45 percent. So the the strategies are working. It, they're working. And 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 again, these are the same strategies that some of the most successful investors in history have used. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, guys. I'm just trying to copy them. And 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 so far, it's working out beautifully. And and something to realize is that you don't have to put you know, what I'm referring to is there, uh, some clients have their entire portfolio here, um, you know, but it's not their entire, th it's an entire account, I should say, but not the entire portfolio, right? Okay. So it's, so everything in this one account, it, it, which happens to be better, which I like to use IRAs, preferably Roth IRA, like I use my Roth IRA where I do the trading, um, because taxes are going are, are gonna to really be a problem if you do it in a, in a taxable account. Uh, because a lot of our trades are short term, anywhere from a couple of weeks to three months or so. And, um, you know, so it's something that we want to be aware of the of, of the taxes. Um, but my point is, if, if you're interested, you don't have to allocate an entire account to the strategy. What I do is the stocks that make my screens and that look attractive to, to purchase, I buy those for clients in other accounts, too. So, so some of my more conservative accounts, they might allocate, let's say, like uh, one of them is 15 percent. So. 15% uh, of the account is towards these growth stocks, whereas 85% of the account is conservative. And so, so I can customize it based on an individual individual's goals. Well, I mean, again, if you were, I mean, if you had a fair amount of money and that would be a, what a great way to go. Oh, I think, I think it's, I, I mean, think it's I, awesome. I know there's a lot of people that have a lot of money and, and those are folks that you work with. So, I mean, yeah. what, what a cool thing. I tell you, I tell you what, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. And it, and it, I, I, this is how we add, this is how I add growth. This is how we, in the industry, we call it alpha, you know, risk adjusted growth and outperformance above the index. And the way that I'm trying to outperform the index is, is by adding in these other vehicles. You know, for instance, uh, one, one of my clients is, is a conservative client has, there's over, she's got over a million dollars in the account and we've allocated 15% of it towards these, towards these uh, growth stocks. Uh, one of them that I picked up was AutoNation. If you guys look at AutoNation, what it's done this year, fantastic performance. All right. Uh, Owens Corning was another one we bought. We made 20% on in maybe six weeks. And and so there's there are stocks, you know, like, like I mentioned, Jim Cramer from Mad Money. He says there's always a bull market somewhere. And and, and he that's 100% true. Sure it is. 100%. You know, but it's not always in, you know, Apple or Google or Facebook. Sometimes it is. Sometimes sometimes it's in Caterpillar. So you just have to be able to find it. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial. 
He's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717, or just text SILVER to 21000. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717, or text SILVER to 21000. That's SILVER to 21000. Do it today. to uh, get a couple of questions in uh, from listeners. Yes. And uh, so we've got a few here. All right, so let's just jump in with uh, Emmett. He uh, checks in from Peoria, and he says, I've never rebalanced my portfolio. Because of this, I'm slowly acquiring more stocks through the years, but I'm making more money. What does one rebalance? Why does one rebalance other than if they can't stomach the risk? Is this the only reason people rebalance? <laughs> well, Emmett, I appreciate I appreciate the question. Uh, thank you for sending it in. And uh, you know what? I don't I don't. It, it it doesn't take a macho man if if that's what we're saying. You don't you know to be a to be a tough guy to take the risk. I think I think it's important that you manage your risk. We call it risk management. And so what we what we like to do is I like to designate a certain percentage. Like I mentioned, one of my clients is fifteen percent of her account uh, is for growth stocks. So 85% of the account is conservative and 15 is towards is towards growth. And so what I do is I keep my eyes on those numbers because I don't want it to turn into too too much risk. And and may, maybe a good way of saying it is can't stomach the risk and it's they, they can't stomach the loss is what I would say. And and so what we want to do is we want to manage the risk to avoid any large losses, especially for clients that are retired. And and so I think it's really important that if you're retired uh, unless it's just you know fun money that you're gambling with, like like you would gamble in Vegas or something. Um, but generally speaking, when a person is retired, they don't want to take they they really don't want to see a loss in their portfolio because it could set them back a long ways and it might interfere with their spending plans. Right. So there are there are there are other reasons. You could also rebalance according to sectors, according to interest rates or the economy. There are, there's many reasons people rebalance. One of them is to manage risk. All right. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Emmett, if you want to know some more, 800-975-6717. Let's, uh, let's go to um, Craig in Scottsdale. He says, I'm 55. I've been with the same company about 15 years now. Uh, I've always had a 401k and I'm taking advantage of the match. Uh, now the company is offering a Roth 401k. Should I be contributing to it as well? Are there any disadvantages? Uh, you you know what I I personally I'm in the camp that you should be that would say you should be con contributing to the Roth 401k. Uh, as for disadvantages, I guess um, I guess that would be is that you don't have the tax benefit when you do it. Like with a 401k, it's a tax you know you don't pay tax on that contribution mm -hmm. uh, on a traditional contribution. Um, but on the Roth 401k, just like the Roth IRA, you know it's you're, you're taxed right away. You you pay the tax when the money goes in. However, if you feel like I do that income tax rates are probably going to be going higher over time, um, which I personally am convinced they'll be going higher. 
Uh, obviously, we need to look at your, you know, a person wants to, you'd want to look at your individual tax rate, where you're at now versus where you think you'd be in retirement, uh, which is part of the calculation we do when we sit down and, and we do our research and we do our work. Um, but I like it. I, I think it's a, I think a Roth is a phenomenal tool. I think they're underutilized. And I would encourage everybody to put as much into a Roth as you can. If you're over the income limits, then, then I would say, let's try to figure out when we can convert you know, let's convert some of your retirement plan, maybe do a little bit each year, maybe, you know, I don't know, 20 grand a year or whatever number makes sense that we can convert each year from your traditional retirement into a Roth. And I think you'd be much, you know, much better off in retirement because that's going to lower your, that's going to be tax-free money for you when you're retired. Are you seeing a lot of companies offering Roth 401ks now? You know what? I'm seeing more and more all the time, actually. Yeah. Okay. And it's generally the bigger ones, or at least the mid-sized ones. Um, the small companies, I think it's, I think most of the folks, I should say a lot of folks, I think the stats are like 40% of people that work at smaller companies, they, they don't have access to retirement plan at all. Right. Um, you know, and so guys, you can set up an individual, you know, individual IRA, or you can set up an individual Roth IRA. Um, or, or if you're self-employed, you know, I've talked before on different shows. Uh, if you're self-employed, there are tremendous retirement planning tools out there and retirement accounts that I can show you how to set up. For instance, if a person has a high income, you know, and, and they want to put away more than the 50 or 60,000 a year that you're able to with the other vehicles, there are plans that we can put together that you could put away over 200 grand a year wow. with it that tax deferred. So in other words, that 200,000, if you know, you don't pay any tax on it at all right now. Right. Um, and we set up a defined benefit or a profit sharing plan. So I, I work with, you know, doctors and some other folks that, that are looking for those types of accounts because they will give you great tax deductions and you can put away a ton of money for retirement. Uh, so if you're in that category, by all means, you know, give me a call. I'd be happy to go through it with you. So I was reading, you know, last year, um, a lot of companies stopped doing their 401k match. Um, are you seeing that come back at all? You know what? I've, I've, I've seen the research on stopping the match. I, I personally have not seen much on them coming back okay. yet. All right. uh, I, I do expect that they will, but, but I think most, I think a lot of companies kind of when they have an opportunity to do something, uh, to save some money, they they might think a little bit longer and harder about, you know, yeah. going back to it, right? Well, give them not... a nudge. Tell your <laughs> HR person you want the match back. <laughs> so, yes, I, I, and, and you guys definitely take advantage of that match. Any any match is free money. You definitely want to grab it. All right, fair enough. Um, let's go to Sophia. We've, yeah, we've got time. Let's go to Sophia in uh, Glendale. She says, I'm currently 59 years old. I have no credit card debt, no children. My house is paid off. My net worth is $500,000. At 62 years old, pension payments will be $3,000 a month, Social Security $2,000 a month, and I estimate my monthly expenses at $1,000 a month. I have three cats. I would like to retire at 62. Do you think I can? Okay. Oh, so... Uh, Sophia, we, 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 we need to talk a little bit because I think you're underestimating your expenses here. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, that seems really low to me. It, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but I, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that truly only had a thousand dollars a month expenses, uh, unless it's a child and the, you know, parents are paying the bills. Um, because I, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. It, it, you know, because if you're, uh, well, to give you an idea when you, you're, you're, you're not old enough yet, but when you get on Medicare, all right. Uh, Medicare, Medicare is going to pay roughly 80% of your bills. And that's going to cost you probably at that time, maybe 150, 160 a month. I'm just guessing. I'm a bit, you know, it's, I want to say right now it's around 130, maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the exact number for Medicare, but it's going to be higher, obviously, in six or seven years, six years when you're 65. Um, but then the supplement, 
is going to cost you another couple hundred dollars, maybe $400 or $300, depending on which one you get. So personally, personally, I'm anticipating me and my wife, just our insurance, just our medical insurance expenses to be a thousand a month in retirement. Oh, wow. So, okay. So now that's all, that's all in that, that is, that is buying a supplement plan that'll cover all that that's buying the, the, the Cadillac, if you will, in the Medicare supplement space. Okay. So, so that's the best coverage you can get. Um, which you pay all, you know, which you pay your copays, your deductibles, all, all the things that, you know, that you'd be on the hook for without it. And, and so, but, but three cats, I'll bet you three cats alone cost you, you know, cost <laughs> you a few bucks. Well, I mean, here's the thing yeah. though. The, so the monthly expenses aside, she's in really good shape, isn't she? I think she's in really good shape. I would like to know when she says half a million net worth, if that's half a million investment assets or is she, or is she cutting her house in that number? Ah, uh, good question. Um, you know, so if she's not counting, if you're not counting your house in that number and the house is paid for, then then I would say there's no question you you, you should be you should be in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're including your house, then it's going to come back to well, how much money do you actually have in investments outside of it? Um, based on these numbers, everything looks good. I guess the question would be, does your pension have an inflation rider on it? So so will your three thousand dollar a month pension go, will it go up over time or is that stagnant? Wow. And and so that's something we want to take a look at because that. That's uh, that can vary from company to company. Um, I've seen you know some folks have have inflation adjustments on them, and, and a lot of times though, a lot of times the pension payment stays the same. Right. So, so I mean, that's kind of been what I've seen a lot of. Yeah, I've seen more that stay the same yeah. than I have that that go up. Right. And and so so my point is, you know, Social Security will adjust. I personally don't think, uh, you know, I you know they give an inflation adjustment to Social Security. In my opinion, it, it's lower than the actual rate of inflation. Um, so I think people, if you're just getting Social Security, I believe you're going to lose spending power every year as time goes by. And so it's important that you have other sources of income or other ways that you can generate income to offset you know, rising costs of inflation. Sure. All right. Let's see. we got time for one more. Why don't we go to Florence? Um, she's in surprise. Uh, she says, my husband wants to borrow $50,000 through a home equity loan to invest in some stock that he hopes will earn a 4% Uh-oh. return. Oh. We, we have a 15-year mortgage. We're five years away from paying it off. My husband feels like home ownership is a liability. He would prefer to sell our house and rent oh. rather than own. Is it a good idea to borrow against our home to invest in stock, or should we invest in real estate? We're both 55, plan to retire at 65. All right, Kevin, go. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um I, I, I personally, okay, personally, I, I, I'd love to have a conversation with your husband. Um, I'm not sure how he's reviewing a home as a liability. Uh, like maybe your property tax bill or, or is he worried about the mailman slipping on the front porch? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I guess. You, you know, but even if you rent, that's still a liability. Um, and anyway, I guess for the landlord maybe, but uh, personally, I don't think, I don't like that idea personally. Um, I, I, I'm in the camp that you should one, not have, I believe you should not have any debt. When you retire, I I don't see any reason why you should be helping some. In my view, we're all paying the banks and we're all helping the bankers get rich by by, by paying the interest. It, it, I I would recommend that everybody look at your mortgage statement and look at how much interest you're paying every month. It drives it drives me crazy. I I I I, I hate it. I, I hate paying right. interest on it on anything. Yeah. And and when I look at the amount of interest, that's something people don't realize when they refinance their mortgage. Okay, you might refinance your mortgage, and the guy's gonna say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna lower your interest rate," but now you're going back to square one on the amortization schedule. Yeah, which means that's just not, you know, yeah, I don't like that. Oh, which means you're paying a ton more in interest. So if your payment was I don't know fifteen hundred bucks, 
Whereas before, maybe, I don't know, 700 was interest. And now you refinance. Now you're probably paying 1,000 or 1,200 a month in interest, even though your payment would be the same because you, the amortization schedule starts over again. Okay. And if, and if you don't understand what I'm saying, then you really owe it to yourself to give me a call or to look into it because chances are you're getting hurt by that and you don't realize it. Sure. So pers- you know, as far as taking money out to invest in the stock market, I would say definitely don't do it. Um, and I would definitely not do it for 4% a year. I, I mean, that doesn't I mean, seem good some, at all. No, I mean, if you think maybe you can double your money or something, maybe that's a different story. But, but to me, it's just like margin. You're borrowing money to buy stocks. And, and I don't recommend margin either. I've done it. I've had many clients do it in the past. Um, I don't do it anymore because I saw way too many people get hurt by margin because you're paying interest on that as well. So, um, you know, you'd be paying interest if you take out a home equity loan. And, and, uh, I, I, and if you lose money on that, that, that can be a double, a double hit, you know, a double whammy as you're sure. getting ready to go in retirement. So I, I would strongly recommend against it. And, uh, you know, by all means, I'd love to talk to you guys, though, because I, I, I think if you start off renting, you could really find yourself in a bind because rental payments can go up over time. And uh, you, you might find yourself priced out of the housing market if your rent goes up too much. Sure. 800-975-6717. You want to do one more? Uh, yeah, if you've got time, yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Brian in, or no, I'm sorry, it's Ryan in Litchfield Park. He says, I have a fee-based advisor for my mutual fund portfolio. The current value is about $60,000. I'm averaging about $320 in fees per quarter, which amounts to just over 2% in annual fees. Is this rate high for a financial advisor? The advisor is also a CPA. I'm 62 now. I'm on track to retire at 67. Hmm, what do you think? Okay. Um, well, you know what? It's it. It, uh, it. I guess it's all. I guess you could say it. Maybe it's relative. It all depends. You know. I guess. I guess what I'd, the first thing I'd have to say is how, how how what types of performance are you seeing? If he's showing you really good performance, if he's beating the benchmarks, you know, by more than that two percent, then then I'd say he's worth his money. I would say two percent. On a flat on, on a fee basis, the two percent number is a little bit on the high side. However, for with the value at, at sixty thousand, I would say that's probably a typical fee um, because what what happens is the the larger the assets, the lower the fee. So what I would do, I would talk to your advisor if you, if you're planning to retire in a few years, I have to believe you've got other assets, and so I would talk to your advisor about where your fee would what your fee would be if you raise you know if you if you invest more with him. How much could he lower that fee if you make it, you know, two hundred thousand or something, or half a million or whatever you could do? Um, but I think that that's a conversation worth having. Uh, but then if he's not, if, if you're not seeing good performance for that, then I would say you might want to look look at a no low, look at a uh, place like a, a Fidelity or something, and uh, you might find out that you're better someplace else at a discount firm. So is it interesting? Uh, I think it's interesting that his advisor is also a CPA. That seems uh, that doesn't seem to happen very much. You know what? More and more, there I'm seeing more and more C- CPAs get into the advisory space, okay. and, and yeah, yeah, I, I am. And it, and in some ways, it makes sense, because especially if they're if they're doing your, somebody's tax returns and they see that the advisor is losing the money. Um, you, you know, I I, right. I think it's an I think it's an, it, they see an entry. Uh, you know, so I am seeing I am seeing more and more of that. I you know it, and it all depends on a person's situation. I think if if somebody let's say is an individual business owner and they have you know employees and they've got payroll expenses things like that, it might make perfect sense to if you have somebody that can do all of that for you. You know, um, but it, it all depends on your individual your individual situation. 
And, uh, you know, but I do appreciate all the questions, guys, and I appreciate you listening to the show. Yeah, absolutely. 800-975-6717. Well, let's uh, do it again next week, Kevin. What do you think? Uh, I think that sounds perfect, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and, uh, you know, stay safe out there. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment, security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions.